Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, good morning. It's the breakfast huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. Let's take a look at a slew of headlines, including more U.S. earnings. We've got a lot to break down, and helping me out this morning is Jack Cousy, director of VFS Group. Jack, good morning. How are you? Good morning, mate. Doing very well. Early over there, so thank you for having me on. Keen <laughs> to uh, get into a big night of markets overnight. Indeed, and Netflix, of course, uh, taking a lot of attention, I suppose, to start us off, how would you feel about watching Netflix and then suddenly a commercial comes on? Because Reed Hastings is saying they're open to such things. Yeah, and it's a bit of a change of the tune, isn't it? I mean, he's been very anti-commercial for a a long time. And the fact that they're even considering it is uh, such a turn in the the way the company is managed and the the vision of the firm going forward. I think, you know, the earnings report last night was disappointing in the market. is crushing it in after hours. I mean, it's down as much as 28%. Mm. I think there are a number of factors at the moment. I think your post-COVID growth or your, your COVID growth was this unnatural, massive influx of new users coming onto the platform, and that's since dissipated. And I think the market is concerned about the future growth of this platform going forward, particularly in areas outside of North America. So that's the big issue. I think the second one that investors are now facing and the market is now facing is the increased competition. I mean, this is a saturation now of streaming providers, not only in North America, but around the world. If you look at you know the emergence of Disney+, Plus, which yep. is obviously eating into that market share, then you have players like HBO, Hulu, Sling, Peacock, and then Amazon Prime. So the consumer is faced with a plethora of choices and are having to choose one, two, or three providers. You can't have them all. And I think it's now the fight for the hearts and minds of those sitting on their couch and watching your streaming service. Now, streaming is part of daily life. It's just a question of which one are you going to choose going forward. In defense, I think, of Netflix, it's a fantastic company that's been well run and has a massive wall of content that it's built over the last 10 to 12 years and is spending a lot on building that content. So I still think they're going to be the number one or two choice in the household, but the market is questioning, you know, that multiple of growth that we applied to it. And it's a lot of tech companies that are starting to see this. It's not just Netflix. In saying that, the multiple is starting to look a little bit attractive at these prices, but, you know, this is a long-term game here that I think is going to have a few winners in the end, but with the plethora of competition, Netflix is starting to fill it. And the fact that they're considering commercials you know, kind of presents a little bit of a dark cloud over the stock at the moment. Yeah. Actually, there are a couple of factors as well. I mean, you you talk about maintaining that number one position. There is the complicated job of acquiring rights to put these things. I mean, you just look at what uh, MGM has done with all the James Bond films going. And now they're seeing a bit of a crackdown perhaps on, uh, you know, people sharing accounts from different households. I mean, should they brace themselves for more losses before they get sort of like a loose win type of situation? Yes, some of these things are, yeah. And and they've been very committed to to driving a pile of cash in to build that wall of content. And I think the the first point you brought up, you're kind of seeing what we saw in China with the tech companies is they're bringing up these walled gardens. So they're all walling themselves off, protecting their modes in terms of their content and not allowing this cross-sharing, which you may see going forward. So yeah, they're going to have to prepare to spend a lot of money. Now, in saying that, they have still have a wall of cash that they can spend. And I think that the one thing that they've done 
in the last 10 years is they have a fantastic wall of content. They do have a great wall of content that they can rely on and they continue to push. So that should hold them instead. But yes, this is a this is a war and it's a war about content and that's going to continue going forward. And I think they're well positioned, but it's going to be, you know, a, a volatile couple of years, for particularly this space, to win the hearts and minds of people on their couch. Yeah, they've got to make that head start count. Jack, let's talk a little bit about IBM. Um, their shares up 3% in extended trading, releasing their first quarter results that beat expectations, uh, up 7.7% from a year earlier. That doesn't include this new spin-off called Kindrel, although Kindrel CEO is saying they won't be delivering growth after October. What are your thoughts on this IBM area? Yeah, we go from uh, new tech to old tech. Um, <laughs> and this is, uh, I think this is the, look, I'm not going to say the beginning, but I, I feel like if we're talking about a basketball game, we're into the second quarter. And this is the second quarter of the turnaround on this stock. I think it's going to do well going forward. Um, its software services, I think, were a real highlight in the earnings report. Its dealings with, um, you know, CRM companies and cloud-based companies. Um, it's done a good job of starting to turn around the story. I think it's well-positioned. It's still a great brand name. Um, in this, and I think it's really well-positioned in this enterprise services space, mm. which will continue to grow as we go along. It's really started to build up its, its cloud operations. That's continuing to grow. That's a, a thematic trend we're seeing around the world. So, you know, I don't know too, uh, I mean, I don't watch the company too closely, but what I can say is this is starting to really look like a great turnaround story for a company that's been around for a long time. And I think you'll start to see a bit of movement away from that new tech towards that old tech, you know, guys like Cisco, guys like IBM, and a bit of fun, flow of funds going there. So I think it was a good, good standout quarter on a company that's really on the way back up and really building, rebuilding their position as a premier um, software company and hardware company around the world. What about Johnson & Johnson, perhaps a bellwether yeah. for healthcare industry? Yeah, the interesting point I will take from the Johnson & Johnson earnings report is the fact that they highlighted, they forecasted on earnings going forward and, and revenue. Mm. They highlighted increasing costs, increasing supply strains and uh, supply constraints and that ugly word that continues to stay at the top of markets and that's inflation. And the thing that, uh, that worries me the most about this whole inflationary period is companies may not have the pricing power that they thought they had in terms of passing on those costs to the end consumer. And if you think about pricing power, you know, the ability to pass on that cost, and you think a name like Johnson & Johnson would have ultimate pricing power in this type of market, yet they kind of forecast it that they don't. And that was the real tidbit that I took away from that earnings call, is the fact that they were worried about these rising costs, worried about these supply constraints, and the fact that that was going to eat into their profit margins and their revenue growth going forward. I mean, it wasn't a awful quarter for Johnson & Johnson. It was just, we don't think the next couple of quarters are going to be as good as we thought they were going to be. Um, some of the divisions did really well. You know, their vaccine area didn't do really well, but they forecasted that that wasn't a non-for-profit. But I think the one that we need to take um, account for, when you look at future earnings, so not only Johnson & Johnson, but some of these companies, particularly in the consumer staples industry and these percentage-type industries that we're seeing markets or money move to, is that they don't necessarily think they've got that ability to pass on the cost to the end consumer as much as they could. 
in an area of lower economic growth and flagging consumer uh, confidence. So a C plus. A C+. Jack, unfortunately, I got to wrap up and turn attention to China about yes. their financial year 2022, where a lot of brokers have cut their growth forecast following that data dump on Monday. Yes. What's your outlook? It's one step forward, two steps backwards for China at the moment, isn't it? Every time we think there may be some type of recovery, not only in the stock market, but their, but their economy in general, they seem to take a hit. I think everybody's worried about these COVID lockdowns and what effect that's going to have on consumer growth. I think what we need to understand about China is they are in the move of a long-term move to, to a middle-income country. And in order to become a, a middle-income country, your consumer has to be... 60 to 70 percent of your gdp growth right that's what makes you a middle-income country they want to move from that export driven manufacturing type style to more of a consumer driven economy which is what you know europe and south some areas of southeast asia and north america looks like now the gdp growth wasn't bad but it's the forecast going forward and it's the lockdowns plus these geopolitical risks plus they're in the midst of a massive tech crackdown that just seems to see no end so i feel like they keep at these levels and i feel like they hit them right at the bottom. There's still incredible growth going in China. There's some incredible com- uh, companies there growing and they still have a strong consumer mm. but it's a lot of volatility going forward um, here at this point in time. But when I look at some of these stock valuations, particularly in their tech area, and I compare their growth and their revenue to some of their US counterparts and then their valuations, I find them incredibly cheap and I think they are a great buy if you're looking at a long-term approach for what is still I believe the most influential economy in the world and will be the most influential economy in the world for the next decade. All right. Brilliant stuff as always. I've been speaking with Jack Cousy, director of VFS Group. Jack, appreciate your time. Take care and stay safe, yeah? Thank you, guys. See you soon. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.